Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries of First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org. Well, let me extend my good morning to you. It is a joy to be here in worship and uh, to be with the gathered people of God. I'm Pastor Michelle Morris, um, and I welcome all of you that are here or online. And today we are continuing in our series, Back to the Basics, where we're looking at how our Methodist faith helps us um, shape our lives. Um, And today we're going to look at how we make decisions as faithful people and what our our tradition guides us in that way. So we will continue in the letter of James and we'll start in chapter 3 with verse 13. Are any of you wise and understanding? Show that your actions are good with a humble lifestyle that comes from wisdom. However, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, then stop bragging and living in ways that deny the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. Instead, it is from the earth, natural and demonic. Wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and everything that is evil. What of the wisdom from above? First, it is pure, and then peaceful, gentle, obedient, filled with mercy and good actions, fair and genuine. Those who make peace sow the seeds of justice by their peaceful acts. What is the source of conflict among you? What is the source of your disputes? Don't they come from your cravings that are at war in your own lives? You long for something you don't have, so you commit murder. You are jealous for something you can't get, so you struggle and fight. You don't have because you don't ask. You ask and don't have because you ask with evil intentions to waste it on your own cravings. You unfaithful people, don't you know that friendship with the world means hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be the world's friend becomes God's enemy. Or do you suppose that scripture is meaningless? Doesn't God long for our faithfulness in the life he has given to us? But he gives us more grace. This is why it says, God stands against the proud, but favors the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will run away from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts, our minds, and our eyes, that we might see and know the word you have for us this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So how do we make decisions? How do we decide? Ray, heads or tails? Tails! You get to make the decision. Uh, I did that this morning and and I asked Liz Emus to do it. And she said, "Uh, my decision is to not make the decision. I said, oh, that's kind of cheating. But okay. But, but that is one way that we make decisions, right? We flip a coin, or maybe we do rock, paper, scissors, right? And with inconsequential things, like if we were trying to decide what we were going to have for dinner, that works just fine, right? In the grand scheme of things, does it matter if we have pizza or burgers? We, we still get to eat, right? But when we are tasked with making bigger decisions, like whether to get married or not, Or when we are tasked with moral decisions, like, should we lie to our boss 
or not? Should all of those things rely on a coin flip? No. We need a bigger, more consequential way of making decisions. The letter of James is talking to us about ways that we make decisions, and that makes sense. This is frequently called a two-ways book. Two-ways book means that it sets up two ways of knowing, two ways of making decisions. In this case, James is comparing wisdom that comes from above versus wisdom that comes from the world, right? And he shares with us what those wisdoms look like. Wisdom of the world has jealousy, comes from selfish ambition, creates disorder and conflict, drives from selfish desires, results in fighting and murder, is made up of pride and covetousness. Whereas wisdom from the above results in a humble lifestyle, is made of peace and gentleness, of obedience, is filled with mercy and good actions, is fair, genuine, sows the seeds of justice in peaceful action. So so that helps us see what wisdom from above looks like and what wisdom from, from the world looks like. Except does that really help us make decisions most of those things are are really much more the results of the decisions that we make did it result in peace or did it result in war does it result in humility or does it result in pride so we still need a pathway to discern what decisions result in those things from above we still need ways to discern the will of God. And I'll admit that sometimes that is a difficult task. Some of you may have watched the series on NBC called The Good Place. Um, It's a wonderful series. I highly recommend it. Uh, One of the things that it points out is that it is not often clear what is a good decision versus what is an evil decision. And in fact, many decisions that we make contain both realities that you may make a decision that you think will have a good result but in fact it also has a kind of evil side effect to it let me let me give you an example from my own life of how this is the world is just complicated these days right so when i was waiting to i had learned that i was coming back to arkansas they called me and told me that i was going to be serving as an associate pastor in west memphis i got that phone call almost the same week that my husband got a phone call from his supervisors at work to tell him that they were moving him off of the current account that he was on to be on the account that managed the technology for Caesars Las Vegas. So here I was about to go back to serve an organization, the United Methodist Church, that has a stance against gambling, and my husband was going to keep Caesars Las Vegas up and running. complicated moral realities, right? I used to say, we we had a joke during those times, I'd I'd say, um, well, you get them to sin and then I'll bring them back, right? But but that's what what life does to us now. A lot of the decisions that are before us, it's not necessarily clear what we do. So we need a faithful way of approaching questions. And within our tradition, within United Methodism, we have a faithful way of making decisions. And it is referred to as the Wesleyan quadrilateral. 
Now, this was not a phrase that John Wesley came up with. Um, this, uh, this was a phrase that was coined by Albert Outler, who was a 20th century theologian. But what he had done was he had looked at the ways that Wesley talked about how we as people of faith make decisions. How do we discern the will of God? And he found that there were four things that Wesley routinely leaned on in this. And it was defined as the quadrilateral for that reason. So I'm going to tell you what the four things are. The first of the four things, which we do consider primary, is Scripture. Scripture for us is a privileged conversation partner. It is the source of the story that shapes who we are, that makes us distinct, that defines us as the people of faith. And in fact, James in this letter makes reference to the fact that we should, we should look at Scripture. Doesn't Scripture contain the truth? Shouldn't you go to Scripture to discern wisdom from above? The second element that we have in the quadrilateral is tradition, which is the long history of faithful people who have been in relationship with God. What can we learn from the documents of the church, from church history, across time and across culture? What can we learn about a situation that we are facing? Where can we find guidance from how the people of God have responded in the past? The third element in the quadrilateral is reason. I want to, I'm going to share this, this quote that, that John Wesley shared with someone. He was writing a letter to a doctor, and he said, he said this in this letter. He said, It is a fundamental principle with us, the Methodists, that to renounce reason is to renounce revelation, that religion and reason go hand in hand, and that all irrational religion is false religion. So what that means for us, my friends, is that we do not check our brains at the door. We come in as thoughtful people. We use this gift of being able to reason, to use logic, to reflect thoughtfully as a gift of God given to us as human beings. And as faithful people, we bring that reason when we do things like interpret scripture or when we, when we use philosophy and mathematics, science, when we approach literature. We use our brains. We think about it. And then the fourth element in the quadrilateral is experience, which is both an individual and a, a community's understanding and appropriation of faith in light of our own experiences, in light of our own life journeys, in light of how we have countered God and God's people. So for John Wesley, an, an, an moment of experience might be what's frequently referred to as his Alder's Gate experience, right? When, when his heart was strangely warm, warmed, hearing Luther's commentary on the Romans, and he suddenly understood the journey of grace that we talked about in the first week when we talked about um, grace involving uh, provenient, justifying, and sanctifying grace. Wesley understood that in that moment from that experience of having his heart strangely warmed in hearing those words from Luther. And then James tells us that one of the things that we will know, we will know God is present when we are in a place of peace. So when we have experienced peace, we have experienced God. And we seek to, to bring those experiences to bear again. So those are the elements of the quadrilateral, but I am a teacher at heart. And so I like for us to take a moment and apply those so that you can see how this works so that you can see how we use these to make a decision. And so the, the situation that I'm going to use was a situation that was hinted at last week that we, we sort of touched on, which is 
What is the responsible use of social media as people of faith? So, if we look at scripture, Pastor Andrea last week read, read some verses for us uh, from chapter 3. Think about this. A small flame can set a whole forest on fire. The tongue is a small flame of fire, a world of evil at work in us. It contaminates our entire lives. Because of it, the circle of life is set on fire. The tongue itself is set on fire by the flames of hell. We certainly know that with social media, we can use our words to do great good. But we also know that those words can travel around the world in seconds. And if they are used for evil, they can do great evil all of a sudden. There are other scriptures, though, that also give us guidance, not just James. Although in James, in the the, the verses that I just read, just past those, in 4.11, we get this. Brothers and sisters, don't say evil things about each other. Whoever insults or criticizes a brother or sister insults and criticizes the law. If you find fault with the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge over it. But then, like I said, that's not the only word on words that we've got, right? Proverbs seventeen fourteen says, The start of a quarrel is like letting out water, so drop the dispute before it breaks out. Proverbs twenty nineteen says, Gossips reveal secrets. Don't associate with those who talk too much. And then from the Ten Commandments, we have the warning, Do not testify falsely against your neighbor. Don't share false information. That might do damage or harm to someone else. Matthew twelve thirty six. I tell you that people will have to answer on judgment day for every useless word they speak. So we don't have in scripture, thou shalt only post on Facebook pictures of dogs and kids. But we do have a lot of words about how we use our words. And I think that is instructive for us. So that's scripture's voice, tradition. I looked up what the early church fathers wrote about James 3 when talking about that tongue that sets the world on fire, right? And most of the the early church fathers that I read, Jerome, folks like that, used James 3 to talk about not spreading heresy. Do not use your words to spread false ideas particularly false ideas about God, but do not use your words to spread false ideas. Um, and then there were a number of other words that I came across from, from the book of Pastoral Rule uh, from Gregory the Great. He said, you know, be careful how you use your words because you might say one little thing that's bad about someone, but then that becomes a bigger thing and a bigger thing and the next thing you know, it's full-on slander. It's a slippery slope, so to speak. John Wesley's notes on the New Testament in James 3 and 4 said, Wisdom is peaceable. True peace is quiet and inoffensive. Quarrels and wars among you are quite the opposite to this peace. And then another document of our tradition is our United Methodist Book of Discipline. In the Book of Discipline, we have a, a section called the Social Principles, and we have statements on all kinds of things, including the statement on against gambling that I made reference to earlier. Um, but also we have one under the heading information communication technology. And this is what the book of discipline says because effective personal communication is key to being a responsible and empowered member of society. And because of the power afforded by information communication technologies to shape society and enable individuals to participate more fully, 
We believe that access to these technologies is a basic right. Personal communication technologies, such as the Internet, allow persons to communicate with each other and access vast information resources that can have commercial, cultural, political, and personal value. While the Internet can be used to nurture minds and spirits of children and adults, it is in danger of being overrun with commercial interests and is used by some to distribute inappropriate and illegal material. Therefore, the Internet must be managed responsibly in order to maximize its benefits while minimizing its risks, especially for children. And then in our own Arkansas Annual Conference, we have this. Social Media Principles for the Church, which is itself a document of the church. But within it, it gives some guidance on, on best practices in social media, and it makes reference to the three general rules that Pastor Andrea told us about last week. Use these principles when thinking about what you're posting. Do no harm. Do good. Stay in love with God. So we see tradition actually has a wealth of resources for us on this topic. When it comes to reason, when you're getting ready to post something, stop and think about it. Weigh the pros and cons. What good will this do? What harm will this do? Does it, as James said, work for peace and justice, but through peaceful action? Is it true? And how do I know it's true? A couple of weeks ago, I downloaded an app called Ground News. One of the things I love about it is that it, it takes a news story and then gives, us, gives me several different news um, outlets to look at that news story and actually ranks them as, as a news outlet that leans progressive or um, uh, liberal or if it's kind of in the middle or if it's conservative. And what I love to do is look at the headlines all the way across. And somewhere in there, you get to the truth of things. But if something only appears in a liberal source or only appears in a conservative source, it's probably much more editorial or infotainment than it is factual. So as a thinking person, if I was getting ready to share some information, I would want to do some research like that. Use my reason to make sure what I'm sharing is true. And then we all have experience on social media, right? Um, did this kind of post do good before? Does, do these posts, these kinds of posts that I'm getting ready to share, do they help me stay in love with God and stay in love with my neighbor? Or is this going to create some division? I use my own experience of social media to reflect and to decide. So we can see, as we have seen the the sum total of these resources, that social media can be a very good thing. It allows us to continue to worship together, for instance. And when it is used for good, when it is used to share truth and not harm, when it is used towards aims of justice, but does so in ways that maybe lift up some people, but never demonize others, then there, it can be great good. But if there are words of harm, if it is spreading falsity, then we need to stop. And if it's going to harm the vulnerable among us, particularly our children, then don't. You see how these four sources help us make decisions. And these are the sources that we as people of faith have. We can use the quadrilateral to make decisions. 
How do we make decisions? I don't need the coin. I've got scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. And now, my friends, so do you. Amen. Thanks once again for joining us on The Gathering Podcast. Grace and peace, y'all.